1: Sometimes, I would look up the tall skyscrapers as I walked down the city streets begging for money. I used to live in one of those. I used to have a view of the ocean, a concierge, a doorman. I tipped my valet well, and he was a friend of the family. But that all feels like a lifetime ago. Now, I'm alone, penniless, washing car windows and begging strangers for change for a living. It all started when I met Chelsea at a charity gala. She was the prettiest girl in the room, and I was the richest one. Hi, I'm Drake. I just thought I'd introduce myself, seeing as we'll be married soon. Chelsea laughed at my cheesy line, but it worked. A year later, we got married at a cathedral in Spain. We flew our friends and family over. We had a ceremony filled with luxury. A whole orchestra, ten pairs of swans, white flowers bedecked the whole place. And yet, as soon as the wedding was over, all Chelsea did was complain. I mean, sure, Bali is Bali, but isn't it a bit uninspired for a honeymoon? Half the people here are Australians. I wish you'd have taken me to Switzerland or Cape Town. You're Drake Nathans for crying out loud. All of Hollywood is at your feet and you take me to Bali? She said this as she sipped on a $100 drink while lounging on a yacht next to a private tropical island. Chelsea's appetites were insatiable. She bought everything she fancied. Five years after our wedding, there were still clothes, bags, and necklaces that she bought with my money on our honeymoon that she hadn't even worn once. Chelsea quit her job the moment we got home and became a professional leech. All she did was attend celebrity parties and flirt with guys twice her age. She complained that I didn't give her a big enough allowance and didn't buy her expensive gifts. Meanwhile, she used my card to go on shopping sprees and to treat her girlfriends to lavish vacations. When she had our kids, the spending only got worse. She was never home and I had to take care of the kids myself even when I was filming. The kids loved it, though. But one day, I came home and Chelsea was gone, and so were the kids. My paintings, my statues, my cars, all gone. My safe was emptied, and the bank account was drained. I heard she ran off with some young model she met at a party, and no matter how much I spent on private investigators, they couldn't find her. I wouldn't have minded being poor if I had my kids, but she took them and she didn't even care about them. Then she had someone deliver a message. She would only give my kids back if I sent her money, lots of it. I sold what I could, I borrowed from the bank, but no matter how much I sent, my kids never appeared. I worked as much as I could, but the financial hole Chelsea left in me was too vast. And soon I was deep in debt. The banks took my house, they took everything that I had left, and I became a pauper. I had to live on the streets, it was tough at first. My friends tried to help, but Chelsea told everyone I was a bad father and that I did unspeakable stuff to her. Nobody believed me when I denied her lies. I was alone in the world. People who passed me by would recognize me and insult me. They would take photos and make memes about how low I sank. After a while, people moved on, and the world forgot about Drake Nathans. The only way I could really make money was teaching self-defense in martial arts classes. It was at least one skill from my acting career that could make stable money. I was on my way to interview for a job when I saw a commotion break out. A girl wearing copious amounts of jewelry was running down the street, and three crooks were running after her. They cornered her in an alley, and I ran through traffic, dodged, and jumped over cars just to get there in time. One of them already had the girl in his grasp. And don't move. If you come any closer, she's a goner. You don't want to get tangled up in this, homeless guy. Run along. Here's a dollar. The guy tossed a bunch of coins in my face, but I caught one and threw it back straight at him. While they were all shocked, I swiped the first guy with my feet and he fell to the ground. I elbowed the other one in the gut and he doubled over. And then I ran at the wall and used that to jump behind the third guy. I grabbed his arm and put it behind his back. The girl was free. You're safe now, miss. Suddenly, ten guys in suits came rushing towards us. Two of them grabbed my arms and pushed me to the ground. Princess, are you alright? Princess? Shut up, you lowlife. Did these guys hurt you, Princess? Hudson, call the cops. We'll need to investigate who's behind this. I'm sorry, but the guy you're holding down, he's not with them. He's the one that saved me. Suddenly, I was being helped up. The guys apologized, and the Princess asked if there was anything she could do to thank me. That was when one of the guards recognized me. Holy, that's Drake Nathan's. Dude. Drake Nathans? Who's that? The princess drove me to her mansion in the city and she had someone bring me fresh clothes. She housed me in her guest house and fed me. And when I had rested, she summoned me to her room. She had spent the whole night watching all my movies. She listened to my story and she pitied me. And so as a reward for saving her, she made me her personal trainer and martial arts instructor. I taught her judo and there were times where her face would come so close to mine, and she would grab my arm to disarm me, and it made all the maids watching us blush. One time, she lost her balance, and her lips landed on my neck. I had goosebumps all over, and we both jumped back in embarrassment. Hands off her, you. I looked around and saw the princess's fiance. Aren't you being too comfortable touching the princess like that? Oh, he didn't mean it. I... I fell. Nevertheless, a peasant shouldn't be touching a princess. You should make him wear gloves. You, servant, go fetch me some tea. The princess and I have something to discuss. But the princess's lessons are unimportant compared to the royal wedding. I was dismissed, and that night the princess came to me crying. She had no desire to marry Kirin, especially because when they were young, Kirin told her she was ugly. But now that she was going to be queen, he used his family's influence to get engaged to her. Nobody liked the guy. Even the guards would have hit him already if he wasn't a lord. He treated everyone as if he owned them, and I didn't want the princess to end up with a guy like that. But, princess, I can't do anything about it. I'm not a princess. I'm just Kate when I'm with you. You make me happy. You're the one I want to marry. She took my face and kissed me. And for three long, infinite seconds, I felt heaven. It wasn't just in my head. She was in love with me too. See? You can not do something about it. If you love me, take me with you. You have to take me out of here. I didn't want to put Kate's life in that position. But when I overheard Kieran confess that it was him who sent those thugs after Kate, everything changed. Kate's safety was at stake, and I did the one thing that I knew would protect her. We ran. And for months, Kieran's thugs hunted us. Kate and I sent coded messages back to the palace to tell everyone we were okay, and our guards gathered evidence for what Kieran did. One night, while we were in one of our hideouts, the stars were so beautiful that Kate and I decided to go for a walk on the beach. The waves were so tall, and the boats were camouflaged, so... We didn't hear them approach. Suddenly, we were surrounded by Kieran's thugs. I fought them off one by one, but I was running out of steam. Kate began sobbing from hopelessness, and just when I couldn't fight anymore, a bright light shone on us from above. Soldiers rappelled down the beach, and one by one, Kieran's thugs were apprehended. Princess, I'm so glad we got here in time. We were saved. The palace couldn't prove that Kirin had had bad motives, and so they basically used us as bait. But it all worked out in the end, and Kirin was taken to prison. Our story became a spectacle. The whole world wanted to know our stories. Someone even made a movie out of it, starring me. Finally, I was back in Hollywood, and my stardom was restored. At the movie's premiere, I felt someone grab my arm. I was pulled back, and immediately guards surrounded us. I looked back and saw my ex-wife behind the barricades. And she had my kids. They were all grown up. We lost it all. Ran, ran out of money. I've been raising them on my own all this time. Please, please help me. Sir, do you know this woman? I looked her up and down and I smiled. No, I don't know this woman. The Chelsea I knew would have never worn a dress with holes in them. She would have worn makeup and she would have had jewels everywhere. She might claim to be my wife, but she's not. Those are my kids though, let them in. Chelsea begged to be let in with our sons, but I just ignored her. I'm sorry, take me back, we can be married again. I looked at her one last time. Marry you? When I have a princess as my fiance? Kate showed everyone the sapphire ring I gave her, and as the paparazzi cameras flashed all around us, we kissed
2: will you be my girlfriend stephanie well um stephanie stammered i took a deep breath and brought my hand up to my nose stephanie's face turned red she knew what was about to happen she knew i was about to sneeze she shuddered and looked like she was going to burst into tears immediately i took another breath and readied myself uh i was almost sneezing
0: wait i'll do it i'll be your girlfriend
2: i calmed down i didn't sneeze And just like that, I had a new, pretty girlfriend. Stephanie was not my first girlfriend. As a matter of fact, she was the fifth girl that I had dated this year. I got them to agree to be my girlfriends the same way I got them to agree to leave me whenever I wanted a new girlfriend. The last girl I dated was Amanda, and I broke up with her just yesterday, when I decided that Stephanie was going to be my new girlfriend. Amanda, it's over between us. Wait,
3: why? Did I do something wrong? Why do you want to break up with me?
2: You did nothing wrong, Amanda. I'm just tired of you.
3: We were just getting to know each other!
2: Amanda screamed. Yes, I bullied girls into dating me, but when they accepted, I always treated them nicely. I bought special, expensive gifts for them and took them to nice places that they could never afford to go to on their own. I was the only child of wealthy parents. They lavished me with money, and I used it to take care of my girlfriends. Because of this, they always felt sad when I wanted to leave them. I felt bad too, but I couldn't handle taking care of more than one girl at a time. So whenever I wanted to date a new girl, I left the old one. I took a deep breath and pretended like I was about to sneeze. Fine! Amanda screamed.
3: Don't sneeze. I accept it. It's over.
2: And with that, she stormed off. The next day, I moved on to my new prey, Stephanie. I'm sure you must think I'm the luckiest guy in the world. And you're wondering how I make people do whatever I want, simply by either sneezing or pretending I want to sneeze. Well, I'm about to tell you right now. So, hit the like button if you've enjoyed this story so far, subscribe to this channel immediately and turn on post notifications so you don't miss any story from us. My name is Graham and I was diagnosed with epilepsy when I was only 3 years old. For those that don't know what epilepsy is, it's a sickness that makes me fall on the floor and start shaking and vibrating, even bleeding from my nostrils sometimes. I look like I'm about to die whenever it happens and this freaks everybody out. As years went by, the epileptic attacks reduced and started happening only when I sneezed. My parents talked to our family doctor about it and she told them to try to reduce the frequency of my sneezes by removing me from situations that triggered it. So I had to avoid dusty places, kitchens, cold places and even meals that were too spicy. My parents did their best but I still sneezed once in a while because it was natural. Whenever this happened, an emergency injection would be stabbed right into my heart and my mom would cry since she didn't know if I was going to survive. My parents could never get pregnant again after having me. I was the only one who could continue the family name and business, so they raised me like an egg. Whenever I felt like I was about to sneeze, my parents ran around like mad people doing everything possible to ensure I didn't sneeze. I got whatever I asked for, no matter how selfish or ridiculous it seemed. After noticing this, I started asking for more stuff. I asked for a car, a personal driver, bodyguards, all the latest Apple products and so many other expensive things that working class adults couldn't afford. My parents gave me everything, as long as I promised to try not to sneeze. This made me feel powerful. My pride rose to an unreasonable level and one day I realized I could make everyone do my bidding, just like my parents. I decided to test this theory in class the next day. When Mr. Speaks, my English teacher, told me to come to the front of the class and read out my badly written English essay, I said no. He insisted and told me that he was going to give me detention if I refused. I took a deep breath and put my hands above my nose, getting ready to sneeze. At this time, nobody in the school knew about my condition apart from my principal, so they all stared at me wondering why I was trying to sneeze. Achoo! I sneezed with all the power I had in me. My powerful sneeze triggered my epileptic attack, and with a heavy thud, I landed on the floor. My classmates jumped up from their desks. Mr. Speaks went, What? He couldn't believe what had just happened. Did Graham really just trigger an epileptic
4: episode? Does he want to kill himself?
2: He asked, amazed. Nobody answered him because they were all running around me, trying whatever they could to help bring me back. The nurse was called, so she stabbed something into my heart, and I was well again everyone hugged me and told me they were glad i was back they all looked so worried i smiled mischievously because i knew that i had cracked the code i knew the trick to ruling the whole school now i knew it i was a king this was when i blew it out of proportion i was wealthy and obsessed with power so i acted accordingly i became a brat and the school bully i forced everyone to do whatever i wanted teachers and students alike I forced girls to date me, changing them up as I deemed fit. On the off chance that someone disobeyed my order, which was usually very rare, I would forcefully sneeze. My sneezes were mostly fake these days. As a result, they didn't always trigger the epileptic response I desired. Whenever this happened, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300.
0: See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
2: And i would simply fake it giving the little kids around me a lifetime scare one day i was hanging out in the school park with my latest girlfriend stephanie she was telling me how happy she was about the iphone 13 i gave her as a birthday gift and how she had been able to make money on instagram because of the high quality pictures she'd been posting lately when mark the info giver called me to the side and gave me some news we called him mark the info giver because he always knew the latest thing about what was happening in school I don't know how he did it, but he was the first person to know about whatever went down in school, sometimes even before the school authorities. Mark didn't give his information for free, though. He always gave it in exchange for money, but he was scared of me, so he never asked me for money unless I volunteered to give him some. I was so stunned by what Mark told me this time that I didn't volunteer any cash. He looked sad, but I couldn't care less. You can leave now, I told him. Mark scrambled off. Thank you, he mumbled as he ran off.
0: What is it, honey?
2: Stephanie asked. I ignored her and walked towards the principal's office. I was fuming. Mark told me that my parents were invited by the principal, and they were in her office at that very moment, talking about me. I got to the principal's office and opened the door slightly, but nobody noticed my presence. I heard their voices, and Mark was right. I can't believe this! My father bellowed. Why will he behave this way?
4: What have we done wrong? We have given him everything he's ever wanted. Why?
0: I'm sorry sir, but we are considering expelling your son. Students have been complaining that he is making their lives a living hell. Parents have threatened to withdraw their kids from our school because of him.
2: My mother started (laughs) shedding tears.
0: I can't believe this.
2: She cried.
4: Don't expel him, please. Give us some time.
2: My dad begged.
4: What do you plan to do?
2: My principal asked.
4: Well, we will ignore him the next time he tries to sneeze, and even when he actually sneezes, we will still pay him no heed,
2: my dad replied.
4: When he realizes that his tactics are no longer working, he will be forced to change his ways. I suggest that you guys do the same thing here.
2: Hmm, my principal pondered.
3: Are you sure this is a good idea? If we start ignoring him, how will he know when he has a real attack?
2: My dear mom asked.
3: I don't think Graham has had an attack
0: that wasn't self-induced in years,
2: my principal interjected. At this point, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't believe that these people, my own parents, were plotting against me, planning to ignore their own son. I stormed into my principal's office and screamed, you guys are all evil. You neither love nor care about me. I have always suspected this. You all hate me, don't you?
3: No, Graham, that's not true,
2: my mom pleaded, but I wasn't going to listen to her. I wasn't going to listen to any of them anymore. I started running away from the office, but as I ran it felt like an invisible force went around my leg and pulled me to the floor. I landed with a thud. My chest contracted and I couldn't breathe anymore. My eyes went up my skull and my hands and feet started pointing in the wrong directions. As I started convulsing, I realized that I really hadn't had a real epileptic attack in years, so I had forgotten just how terrible and painful it really felt. Tears left my eyes as I figured out just how stupid I had been, playing with something that was life or death. I tried to call out to my sweet mom for help, but no words left my mouth, only sounds of gargling and indescribable pain. Mom! I screamed in my mind, help me! But my lips formed no words, and no one came to my help. I cried in pain. I had fallen right beside the principal's office door, so they could still see me, yet no one came to help me. I knew it was all my fault. They thought I was pretending. Why wouldn't they? I hoped they would come and check on me, just to confirm. But no one came. Not my parents, not the principal. Instead, they just laughed out loud and continued their discussion like nothing happened. I couldn't believe it. This was real. This was happening to me. I was going to die and my parents were going to watch me die because of my stupidity. When I started bleeding from my nostrils, my mother got worried and wanted to come help me.
3: Sweetheart, I think we should check on Graham. He's been there for too long. He just started bleeding and I'm no longer comfortable.
2: She told my dad.
4: It's fine. My dad said. Our boy is just such a good actor. He will
2: stop when he sees that no one is paying attention to him at all. My energy had left me and I could no longer fight it. I embraced the peace and quiet. I knew that this was the last time I was going to see my parents. So as I took one last glance at them, I whispered, I love you guys. The words didn't come out, but I just wanted to believe that they would hear me in their own minds. The last thing I saw before I closed my eyes was my mom racing towards me. I knew she would come, but it was already too late. I stepped into the light, and I was gone. I woke up in the hospital one week later to find my mom, my dad, my principal, Stephanie, and our family doctor, Dr. Chambers, all looking down at me with smiles on their faces. I couldn't believe it. I didn't die. I was alive. Mom! I tried to scream. Yes, honey. She smiled.
3: Don't stress yourself, okay? You'll be fine.
2: What happened? I asked.
4: I'm so sorry, my boy. We thought you were faking
2: it. My dad cried. We will never ignore you again ever. I know, dad. You shouldn't be sorry. I should. I was out of control. I never knew how my actions were affecting others. I just wanted to have everything I wanted and I did it through bullying instead of hard work. I'm very sorry, and I'll never go back to my old ways. Please, forgive me, I begged.
4: We forgive you, my son. When we saw that you weren't moving, we immediately rushed you to the hospital. Dr. Chambers said it might not be able to revive you, but she and the other doctors would try all they could. Here we are, one week later. Thank you so much, Dr. Chambers. Thank you for saving our son.
2: My dad turned and shook our family doctor's hands.
0: It was a team effort, sir. Always a pleasure.
2: Dr. Chambers replied with a huge grin on his face. Stephanie ran and hugged me.
0: I'm so glad you didn't die, honey.
2: Stephanie, you're here. You still want to date me? But I've been so bad.
0: Of course I want to date you. Even though you were a bully, you always cared. You took care of all your girlfriends properly and you gave them whatever they needed, even when it was to your own detriment. I was going to leave our school because of you before, but after hearing that you almost died... I realized that I actually do love you. I believe that you have really changed after this near-death experience, and I'm willing to give you a chance to prove yourself.
2: Wow, Stephanie, I love you too. After this experience, I changed for the good. What did you learn from my story? Have you ever bullied someone? Have you ever been bullied yourself? What did you learn from your experience? Share it with us in the comments section below. Like, subscribe, and turn on post notifications, and watch the next video on our channel. Bye. Just like most college students, I struggled the first year as I tried to balance schoolwork and football. In high school, being the best athlete at school came naturally to me, but in college, I needed to prove myself to everyone. I worked my butt off, and in my second year, coach named me the team captain. Some guys like Nick, who were one year older than I was, didn't like the idea that someone younger than them was the team captain. They thought they deserved the spot because they were there longer. Needless to say, he made my life a living hell for the first month until Coach said he would forfeit every game this season if we didn't work together. Oh, and one small detail I forgot to mention, I started dating Nick's ex, Melissa, who was a cheerleader. Before I continue, don't forget to like this video, subscribe to our channel, and tap that notification bell. In my defense, I didn't know that she was his ex until about two weeks after we started dating. As soon as I found out, I ended the relationship. I told her that Nick and I already didn't get along and dating her would make things harder for the team. I wanted to play professional football and I wasn't about to let anyone, not even a pretty girl, get in the way of that. Melissa wasn't too happy about that and we never really spoke again after that. Months passed by and Nick and I buried the hatchet. It felt good not having to look over my shoulder one evening after we won a game the team and i went by kelly Ann, one of the cheerleaders homes for a celebration party while dancing someone tapped me on my shoulder i spun around to see nick sorry to
4: cramp your style but i need a huge favor my car won't start and the other guys are too buzzed to drop me off can i get a lift to college i forgot my gym locker
2: sure man no problem i turned to lena the pretty girl i was dancing with save a dance for me when i return She smiled and (laughs) nodded. Nick laughed as he locked my neck playfully and tussled my hair. Come on, lover boy. Nick and I left the party and a few minutes later we arrived at the college campus. I'll get a ride back with someone. I nodded and drove off. I woke up the next afternoon with numerous missed calls and text messages from other guys on the team asking if I knew where Nick was. Nobody saw him after he jumped into my car. I told them that I dropped Nick off on campus and went back to the party. I tried calling Nick but his phone went straight to voicemail my stomach churned and i felt sick i rolled out of bed slowly and went in search of my parents i found them in the kitchen having coffee
3: finally out of bed i guess that was some party
2: mom smiled at me her smile was quickly removed when she saw my face and her expression turned to one of grave concern
3: kai is everything okay
2: i sat with my parents and told them everything and now nick isn't answering his phone the last thing i remember was returning to kellyanne's party Don't worry, he's probably at some girl's house
4: sleeping off whatever he had at the party. Everything will be okay.
2: Dad squeezed my shoulder, comfortingly. But boy, was Dad wrong. Monday afternoon, when my teammates and I entered the locker room before practice, we noticed that something smelled. Weird.
4: What is that smell?
2: Denny asked as his face turned up in disgust. We followed the smell to Nick's locker. We looked as fear and nervousness appeared in each person's eyes. Coach Dellison opened the locker and Nick's body fell out. A gasp echoed throughout the locker room. Coach Dellison immediately called the police. I guess news traveled fast about Nick because before I knew what was happening, Melissa was crying her eyes out over him. She stood up angrily and charged at me. Her finger tapped my chest with every word she spewed.
3: I thought you were joking, Kai. How could you?
2: What are you talking about? I backed away.
3: The night of the party, you told me you should have ended Nick when you had the chance.
2: What? Bella pulled her phone from the pocket of her cheerleading uniform and played a video of me saying, I should have ended Nick when I had the chance. Police sirens wailed outside. Parents were called and soon every member of the team was questioned about their whereabouts on the night of the party coach suspended me from the team and the police told us not to leave the country. By the next day, photos of me were plastered in every newspaper printed and online. Star athlete, main suspect in murder. With all the bad publicity, my chances of playing professional football were flushed down the toilet. My parents insisted that I stay home until investigations were completed. My parents and I were trapped in our house since reporters were camped outside. The next day, there was a knock on the kitchen door. Don't open it, Mom shouted. I'm sick and
3: tired of those reporters.
2: We tried to ignore the knocking, but it persisted. Eventually, Dad yanked open the door with a baseball bat in hand, ready to charge at the person on the other side. It's me, the woman whispered. Mom and Dad and I shared looks. There were two people, a man and a woman, standing by the door, both of whom we had never seen before. Luggage at their feet as they tried to push the reporters back.
3: Are you going to let your only daughter in or not?
2: Mom yanked both people inside and slammed the door. She hugged the woman.
3: Tammy, you're home!
2: Tammy was my older sister who studied at a makeup effects school where she learned how to do prosthetic facial masks. As soon as Mom released Tammy, she and her boyfriend, Lucas, removed the prosthetics from their faces.
3: We knew that the reporters would have recognized us, so I made us some disguises.
2: Tammy sighed. She walked over to me and squeezed my hand.
3: How are you holding up?
2: I guess as good as I can under the circumstances. I rubbed the back of my neck.
3: Don't worry. Lucas and I are here to help. We will get through this.
2: She hugged me tightly.
3: Let's go up to your room. We have a plan.
2: Once upstairs, Tammy told me that she created foam latex prosthetic masks for all of us to go undercover. How are we going to leave the house? I asked. Simple, she smiled slyly.
3: We'll use the basement window. It's hidden from sight behind the bushes.
2: I raised an eyebrow and Tammy laughed.
3: You really think I was stuck in my room all those years studying?
2: She winked at me. My mission was to go to one of the weekend parties, find Melissa, and see what she knew about Nick's murder. I used Lucas's clothing and his Porsche, which was parked in a paid parking lot two blocks from home. I snuck out of the house through the basement window and easily avoided the reporters. At the party, I quickly scanned the crowd for Melissa. When I found her, I didn't go to her. It wasn't long before she approached me. We chatted for a few minutes, and she gave me her number. I told her that I needed to leave, and I made sure she walked me out to the Porsche. I smiled, and I told her that I would give her a call, and drove off.
3: So, how did it go?
2: Tammy asked excitedly as she burst into my room as soon as I got home. She fell for it. She didn't realize it was me, and she gave me her number.
3: Great. Let her squirm a bit. Give her a call in three days.
2: As much as I wanted to call Melissa and get this over and done with, I knew Tammy was right. On the third day, I gave her a call from Tammy's phone and asked her to dinner. I took her to one of the finest restaurants in town. She took pictures of everything and posted it on her Insta story. After dinner, I took her to the Lady Young Road lookout. Did you enjoy dinner? I smiled at her.
3: It was great. I can't wait to post to Kellyanne. Denny never takes her anywhere.
2: I heard someone mention Kai while at the party. Is he your boyfriend?
3: He's an ex and a murderer.
2: Melissa stiffened and turned up her nose. So should I be worried about him? I chuckled. I took Melissa's hand and gently caressed it with my thumb.
3: No, he's harmless and a chump.
2: So do you think he did it?
3: Of course not.
2: She threw her hand over her mouth.
3: Dad is going to kill me. Our family lawyer advised me not to speak to anyone about what happened. Please don't tell anyone.
2: I won't. I changed the subject, but not before Melissa told me that she was at the college the night Nick died. After 30 minutes, I dropped Melissa home and returned home. I told Tammy and Lucas what Melissa told me.
3: That means she knows more than she's telling Lucas. It's time to implement phase two. Lucas (laughs)
2: smiled. He got his laptop and I watched his hands quickly type over the keys. After about 15 minutes, he handed the laptop over to Tammy and I looked over her shoulder. Lucas created an article stating that Melissa knew who the killer was and she was there at the college the night Nick died. It also stated that she knew Kai Morris was innocent. By the next day, the reporters were camped out by Melissa's house and my family and I breathed a sigh of relief. In a brief news announcement, Mr. Brown, Melissa's father, told the reporters that they had nothing to hide and if they wanted any information on Nick's death, they would have to contact their lawyer. Mr. Brown then slammed the door in the reporter's face.
3: Okay, now it's my turn to go undercover,
2: Tammy said as she pulled out her mask. Over the next few days, Tammy infiltrated Melissa's circle by disguising herself as another student. Kellyanne told Tammy that Melissa was seeing someone else from the team, but she was hush-hush about it, and that's why she was at the college the night of the party. As soon as Tammy relayed that information to Lucas and I, Lucas wrote another article stating that Melissa was dating someone else from the team, and maybe she and her secret lover murdered Nick, or at least knew who did it.
4: Now that enough heat is on Melissa and the team, it's time for the final phase.
2: Lucas smiled as he pulled out her mask. Lucas arrived at the college the next day and watched as the team practiced for the big championship game. After the game, he walked into the locker room and introduced himself as a reporter to Coach. Lucas told the coach that he wanted to do a story on the team that would highlight how great the team is and remove some of the stigma with what's going on. Before Lucas started his questioning, Coach gathered the team together. After asking the usual questions like how the season was and the strategies used by the team to win games, Lucas changed the direction of the conversation. So, Lucas said as he looked around the room.
4: I wasn't going to say this, but I know that you guys want justice for Nick. Before coming here today, I did an exclusive report with Melissa Brown. I believe you guys know her since most of you dated her. Kai Morris is no longer a suspect in the eyes of the police.
2: The team cheered as Lucas continued.
4: I will be putting a story from Melissa in tomorrow's paper. I just wanted to thank you
2: for your time. Coach and the team thanked Lucas as they shook his hand. As he walked to his car, Lucas said, Did you guys get all that?
3: Yes, we did, loud and clear,
2: Tammy said through her headpiece. Tammy and I were parked down the street from the college. Lucas had a microphone and a camera on the pen that was in his pocket. Okay, I'm heading home, I'll- Lucas' microphone went dead.
3: Lucas, Lucas?
2: Tammy's voice was filled with fear. I started the engine and sped into the college's parking lot. Much to Tammy's and my surprise, there were two police officers taking Coach Dellison away and another was talking with Lucas, who was standing next to someone they didn't know. Tammy and I ran towards them. Tammy threw her arms around Lucas.
4: What happened? While I was walking to the car, Coach Dellison hit me with a bat and knocked me to the ground. If it wasn't for Jake here, I'm not sure I would have been here to tell the tale. He's a reporter.
2: Tammy and I looked at Jake, who extended his hand to us, and we shook it. Jake told Tammy and I that he was sitting in his car when he saw me leave the house through the basement window. Then, when all the reporters left to go to Melissa's, he decided to stay and keep tabs on us.
4: I knew something was going to go down today, so I convinced a few of my friends from the force to come with me.
2: I'm grateful that you did, Lucas said.
4: I got everything on tape.
2: Jake patted his camera. But why did Coach hit you? What was his role in all of this? Get this! Lucas' eyes lit up. Coach Dillison was the mystery teammate that Melissa was dating. Ew. Tammy gagged.
3: How desperate is she? Isn't he like 50?
2: But how did Nick end up in the locker? I asked, confused. Well, Lucas said.
4: Nick caught Dellison and Melissa making out and Nick threatened to tell? Coach hit Nick, who then fell back, hit his head, and never woke up. They just shoved him into the locker and left.
2: He confessed everything. I thanked Tammy, Lucas, and Jake for helping me clear my name. Melissa and Coach Dellison were charged with manslaughter and each got 10 years in prison. As for me, I dropped out of physical college and finished my degree online. I decided that I didn't want to play professional football anymore. Who I was as a college athlete made my story spread like wildfire, and if that was a glimpse of what was to come in my professional career, I didn't want it. After college, I moved away and brought my parents to visit me from time to time. I never went back to my hometown since, in my opinion, some things are better left in the past.